You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. This is session number 006. On this episode, Jason Falls and I discuss how children bring humility, ways to conquer imposter syndrome, and how big brands need to get out of their own way. Understanding that, like the imposter syndrome, um, uh, the, the scenarios that we play out in our heads are just that. Scenarios that we play out in our heads. They have nothing to do with reality. They have nothing, they have no impact whatsoever on whether or not we're going to sit down with the CMO of 3M and have a conversation that's going to lead to business or not. Um, all we are doing is talking ourselves into or out of fear or opportunity. Welcome to the Up in Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Well, hey there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If this is your very first time at the Up In Your Business podcast, I am so happy you stopped by. If you've been here before, thanks for coming back. That means I didn't screw it up. That's pretty fantastic. Um, I am sitting um, kind of pondering what a beautiful day it's been outside. It is fall in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I live. And if you had told me uh, four years ago that I would be here in Nashville and living in the home that my family is residing in, um, I don't know. It would have been a bit of a pipe dream. And yet, uh, the way that life has played out from beginning in Huntsville, Alabama, and having to go through a period of time where I was back to waiting tables and trying to do a startup, and then to find myself now working with some of the top brands in the uh, world, Um, it's been an amazing ride. And I was sitting on my back deck this morning. It's about 77 degrees with low humidity. The trees are all in their autumn colors. And I was just grateful and just found myself really connecting to a place of of, um, just gratitude. And I share that with you today because we talk about a little topic um, on our interview with Jason Falls about how you have to play the cards of life that you've been dealt with. And many times, any one of us can look at what's going on in our life and just think, you know, this, what is going on? And our plans are not working out or um, everything's hit the fan. Where do I go from here? Here's what I know. I know that every step along the process prepares you for what life is preparing for you. And so that's a little bit of an encouragement for you today, a little bit of a segue as we jump into this interview. 
Today, we are talking with Jason Falls, and he is a leading digital strategist. He's the author of a book called No Bullshit Social Media, The All-Business, No-Hype Guide to Social Media Marketing. And more recently, um, he uh, wrote The Rebel's Guide to Email Marketing. He's also the founder of SocialMediaExplorer.com. He has his own podcast, 100 Proof Show. You also hear he's now working with a new company called Elasticity. Um, I am super privileged. And this was a really fun interview. I think you're going to have a great time. Please welcome Jason Falls. Jason, how are you today? I'm great, Angus, and uh, thanks for having me on your show. This is uh, this is always fun to be on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> That's awesome. I wanted to uh, go into some of the background um, about how you and I first met. I actually was reminiscing over this. Do you remember where we first met? Jeez. Um... That's a terrible thing to put somebody on the spot. You know, I don't know because I've met you and your brother in separate instances and I never, I'm always confused as to which one I met where. And uh, I have to admit, I, we thoroughly enjoy that, my brother and I. <laughs> I think the first time you and I met was uh, in Atlanta at that very first daddy blogging conference thing. Ah, yes. Remember that one, disaster? Yeah, with Cal Ripken and yeah, that was a fun, uh, that was an interesting week. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know for all the speakers it was quite the adventure it was great we all got to hang out and know each other um as for um the uh, sponsors and probably three or four attendees uh probably wasn't as uh fantastic and then <laughs> flash forward my wife had a conference in louisville and I was walking down the street, and you walked in front of me at some crosswalk, and I said, Jason? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of those weird moments, because while Louisville certainly is, is not, uh, not a small you know, city by any stretch of the imagination and is quite metropolitan and up and coming, uh, I don't walk down the street in Louisville and have a lot of people that I know from outside of Louisville say, hey, it's Jason Falls, right? Uh, so that was a very surreal experience that you just so happened to be visiting, and I just so happened to walk right in front of you. You were a block from my office at the time. Well, it got even weirder because in a metropolitan, metropolis, metropolitan, 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 area, metropolitan. There you go. I'll get it right. <laughs> we were in San Francisco. Yeah. At a little Irish pub, and the exact same thing happened. You walked in. I was visiting in San Francisco, and hey, look. Jason. Yeah. We have this like weird sort of vibe thing. I was on my way to drinks with a friend after having dinner already and was walking, you know, zigzagging across, you know, part of, 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 of town there. Uh, I know it was, it was on the, on the hill up above from the main shopping district. And, uh, and I just said, well, I'm gonna stop in this Irish pub and have a beer. I'm a little bit ahead of time. No big deal. And I walk by this table and it's you and, your brother and both your respective wives and Derek Overby, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yep. Yeah, and it was just this odd, like, why? And I mean, it, uh, you know, San Francisco's <laughs> got a lot of people, and the the chances that we would run into each other, especially after we already had in Louisville. Just weird. We have this cosmic vibe, I guess, which is cool. I dig uh, it. Well, hopefully we can we can tap into that a little bit today. Um, as you and I were just saying, you know, being you're on the other side of the mic. And uh, I've already done a couple of podcasts on this new uh, show here up in your business. One of the things I try and do is build 
uh, people to do business better. And you of all people, you've uh, started, obviously, Social Media Explorer. You um, have written a couple of books. You've uh, been working with a couple different companies and agencies. And, and of course, your podcast, um, The 100 Proof Show. You know what it's like to like step out and kind of put everything on the line. What does that feel like when you do something new like that? <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's also scary. And, um, you know, it's kind of like the first time you ride a bike, you know, you're nervous because you don't want to fall and hurt yourself. And you know, you're going to, in the back of your mind, you're like, there's no way I'm going to do this perfect from the get go. I'm going to fall and skin my knee, but you somehow muster the energy and the bravery to do it. And in, in the course of my professional career, um, I was not a risk taker for a while and then I had a child and realized, you know what? I need to step my game up here. I've got to provide for a family now. I've got to start taking more risks and not just confine myself to this um, you know, sort of cubicle farm life that I had. And so I started taking a lot more risk and, and, and risking skinning my knee a little bit. And fortunately, I've just I've always had that um, you know, sort of desire to experiment and see what works and learn what doesn't. Um, and I'm okay skinning my knee a little bit. Um, and you know, after you skin it a time or two, you end up learning how to ride. And so I think I've gotten to the point now to where I've learned how to jump into new things and start new things uh, and light a fire under it. Um, I think, uh, I've now gotten to the point to where it's shifting a little bit to where I want to figure out, okay, how do I nurture this one thing along over time and make it really successful because I've launched little things here and there that have been somewhat successful, but now I want to kind of go for a, a deeper dive and a bigger plunge. And, and that's risky too, because I'm really comfortable in that, you know, I'm really comfortable skinning my knee and taking risks. I'm not as comfortable sort of shifting into a long haul type thing. And I think that's kind of where I'm headed with my work now with elasticity. And what does that look like from a strategic standpoint, because anytime you try and, I mean, your background social before that, um, you were in sports, right? Uh, sports yeah. journalism. Um, and you start to get into the social business marketing. And then especially when you start scaling that you have to work with teams yep. and you have to trust other people. And what does that look like with this more long-term approach? What are some of the things you're doing differently or, um, or maybe using with more wisdom than perhaps mm -hmm. you had before. Yeah, I think the, the the two or three things I would throw there throw out there for people that I'm doing differently now or trying to do differently. I'm probably failing miserably at them, um, and I'm sure my colleagues would verify that. I'm trying to delegate more. I'm trying to trust the team members that we have in place. They don't necessarily work directly for me, but we have pieces in place to handle certain things, and I have to be okay with letting them do their job and staying out of their way, supporting them in any way that I can. Uh, but kind of, you know, letting them own their part of our success. Um, and I think I'm also trying to exercise a lot more patience. Um, you know, when you're trying to build something over the long haul, you can't get excited at, you know, every twist and turn. You have to be willing to maintain a course. You have to be willing to take some lumps. Um, you, you have to be willing to, it, it kind of goes back to that analogy of you've got to skin your knee. It's just skinning your knee in a different way. Right. right, right. Um, and so now I'm learning that, you know, I, I need to have more of a 
long tail approach to the work that I'm doing uh, and to the people that I'm working with. So I can't do things like fly off the handle and piss everybody off. Right. I've got to calm myself down and say, this too will pass. If we're going through a rough time, it's just part of the learning process. And and that's kind of new for me. You know, in the last 10 years, I've been in positions where I could be the guy who says, this is how we're going to do it. And we're going to do it fast. And we're going to do it my way. And if things blow up, I'm the only one to blame, but I'm also the one who has to blow up and say, damn it, why didn't we do it like this? Right. And so when you have more people at the table, when you have bigger stakes at play, and quite frankly, when you're playing with somebody else's money, right, um, you have to have a little bit more patience, be a little bit more diplomatic. And that's a little bit of a challenge for me, but I think I'm growing into the role. I'm getting old and tired, so it's harder to be as fired up as I was 10 years ago. <laughs> Starting to smooth out the rough edges. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't get me wrong. There will be no polish to Jason Falls. That's not possible, but it won't be quite as grisly and rough as, as it once was. <laughs> So going back in time, when um, you transitioned, um, you know, because right now it's really easy to speak about your profession and and have a little bit more comfort in that saddle. When you transitioned from that journalist stage into the social media stage, like, A, what was it, you know, that pushed you to go to this new, I mean, because you're like, disrupting yourself you're innovating yourself in the process right and i think in this day and age a lot of people have to do that like you graduate with one degree but through the course of your career you may or may not work in that degree what was that like for you to to take that next step and then how did that all kind of unfold for you sure It, it, it was very scary i had i i worked in in sports journalism and pr for 15 years um and you know i worked mostly at the college 15 one five 15 one five so uh, mostly at the college level. So I was what's called a sports information director. Um, and I was basically in charge of running our home sporting events for all the athletic department events, making sure the media, you know, got power and Wi-Fi or back then hardwire connections. And, um, you know, the, they got to interview the student athletes and the coaches they wanted to interview. They got stats at halftime and after the game, all that kind of stuff. And it's a really nice little niche career in the PR world. But I had no idea whether or not my skills would translate outside of sports. Because basically, I watch ball games for a living, man. That's not a rough life, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's a skill that I learned. And there are certain skills, and and it's a craft in and of itself. But is that going to translate to mainstream marketing PR? I had no idea. Um, and the impetus for it was my son was born. Um, my son was born in two thousand five. Uh, I was basically, uh, for those people who know a little bit about sports, Mike Anderson, who's the head basketball coach at Arkansas now, was at UAB. I was his PR guy. And, um, and I was traveling, you know, nine months out of the year, three days a week, nine months out of the year with basketball and soccer and baseball and other sports. I missed most of my son's first lo- uh, year of life. Hmm. And so the impetus was I need to be able to control my calendar more so that I don't have to be beholden to someone else's travel needs. It's okay if I want to go to conferences and whatnot, as long as I can control that, but I don't want to be beholden to, to a, a sports schedule. So that was the impetus. And I was really worried that my skill set wouldn't translate. And so I did what a lot of people do. And, and I don't think I've ever really talked about this much. I actually hired a, uh, a life coach, a professional coach, to help me rewrite my resume, to help um, 
you know, go through my experiences and understand because he, he didn't teach me anything. He just gave me the confidence that what I knew was translatable, was transferable to mainstream marketing, advertising, and PR. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that, um, you know, within the first couple of attempts of finding a job, I was also relocating from Birmingham, Alabama to Louisville, Kentucky, where my wife was born and raised and closer to our family. It turns out that he was right, that I had transferable skills, that I knew how to write. I knew how to write on deadline. I knew how to handle media. Um, I knew a little bit about Internet marketing because I had always been in charge of our athletic websites. Uh, So I had a nice background that translated uh, quite nicely and landed at Doe Anderson, which is an advertising agency. And the primary reason I landed there was because the guy who handled PR for Louisville Slugger in the sports industry had left. And nice. so they had that vacancy. So uh, it, lots of dominoes kind of fell into place and it was a real nice, convenient role for me. Uh, but I will admit it was really scary. I had no clue if I was going to be able to find a job or if that job would even pay enough to support my family. Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be happy staying in sports and not being more involved with my son. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I say that's awesome a lot. I usually edit that out because (laughs) I don't know why that's my go-to phrase. Well, if it is, it is. My, um, I think having children kind of rocks your world. Oh yeah. And no matter how many times people try and prepare you and say, oh, it's going to be fine. You're going to do great. You're going to be an awesome father. You're going to be an awesome mother or whatever. <laughs> like until you're there holding a child that has no defense and is completely dependent on you, yep. there's something about that does kind of put a fire in your bum. It does. It, it, it not only makes you reassess you know, everything in your life. Um, but I think for the first time, it truly proves to you for the first time you think to yourself, holy crap, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm. And, and, and that's a big dose of humility that when you're in your twenties or thirties, before you have kids, you're not willing to admit that, uh, Mm. you're not willing to admit that you're fallible. You know, you have a little bit of that, you know, sort of ego, uh, at play that, you know, I'm invincible. I can do anything I want. I can take on the world. You have all this great confidence. And then you have a kid and you realize, oh God. If mm. I, I'm responsible for keeping this thing alive, what? Mm. Um, yeah, that'll that'll blow your mind and certainly makes you reassess a lot of things in life. And for some people, it, it makes them uh, make big dramatic career changes. Uh, for some people, it just makes them tighten up finances and save more money or whatever. It has a different effect on different people, and the, and the effect it has on you is not right nor wrong. Uh, but for me, it was, oh, crap, I, I can't afford this. So I got to go figure something else out. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of the same. I was trying to figure, I was coming out of a nonprofit world and uh, I got into the blogging and the daddy blogging. And then when, with the kids, I I had written a book and, um, and uh, you know, some of this stuff, but just that whole mindset having to shift that, um, the book was supposed to be the answer and then it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And then I had to self publish. Mm-hmm. And then that taught yeah. me everything about social business marketing. Of course, I made all the mistakes on trying to market my own book. I did it horribly. Um, <laughs> hindsight 2020. Oh yeah. Um, but that's, you know, kind of the short tail to where I got to, you know, working with formally, you know, a social media business guy. And now we're obviously in another space, but kind of tied into that for you. You mentioned something you said 
that the dominoes fell, you know, in the right way in that moment. When was a time when perhaps the dominoes didn't fall the right way? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I don't know that they ever fall the wrong way. Um, I, I think you have to understand that circumstances may change. Some of them are, are within your control. Some of them are completely outside of your control. Mm. But the dominoes that fall are the dominoes you got. You know, it's the hand you're dealt, to use another analogy. And you play it the best you can. And it just so happened that the stars aligned for me to drop into a job that I was fully capable of and confident in doing by handling PR for Louisville Slugger. And it just so happened that while I was in that role, several of the clients at Doe Anderson were interested in exploring more of the digital marketing social media world, and I knew a little something about it. I wasn't an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd been playing in it for so long trying to connect my student-athletes to and, and fan groups to our, our athletic organizations and so on and so forth. So I just started throwing out ideas. And fortunately, I, again, the dominoes fell in the right order. My CEO and COO at the time, and the COO then is now the CEO of Doe Anderson, Todd Spencer, had the confidence in me to say, you know what, if you can sell it, you can do it, man. Go for it. Recommend ideas to these clients, and if they're willing to pay you for it, you got a new job title. And within nine months, I went from PR account manager to director of social media. So the dominoes fell the way they fell. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. If they fell a certain way and I didn't have those opportunities, another opportunity would have opened up mm -hmm. or I would have thought, hey, this isn't the place for me. I'll jump to another agency. So I think you just kind of have to follow your path and not not dwell on the fact that maybe something didn't happen that you wanted to happen and do the best with what you got. Yeah. Isn't that interesting to say at our age? <laughs> yeah, it is. When you're man yeah, man, when you're when you're 24 and it doesn't go your way, you're just pissed off at the world, man. Um, and it was supposed to happen like this, and I was supposed to be at this level at that. And man, life. I, I, can you share some more about that? Like, what does that look like for you? You are in social business marketing and PR, but you don't live in New York City. You don't live in San Francisco and all of that shenanigans. Right. You're in Louisville. <laughs> How in the world do you do that from Kentucky? Kentucky, by God. Well, it's it's really funny. Um, I think the you know the, the the raw answer to that is is that if you've got uh, good ideas, uh, they're marketable anywhere, and. You know, I right. may have lived in Louisville, Kentucky, but the first real social media concept that I sold, I sold through to an international company that was headquartered in uh, Chicago, Illinois, Yeah. Um, which, you know, if people say, oh, he's in Chicago, they're like, oh, they respect that. Oh, he's in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, must be some hillbilly. Well, <laughs> yeah, I am some hillbilly. And yeah, I am in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and, and yes, we do wear shoes and drive actual cars and have bathrooms in our house. Um, no, you have to, and, you have to go backwards to Alabama even before Kentucky. Well, that's, your that's roots. true. Well, see, and th this is what's funny because the rednecks out there will appreciate this. 
Um, I'm from uh, Pikeville, Kentucky. That's where I grew up, which mm-hmm. is the home of the McCoys. I was born in Logan, West Virginia, which is the home of the Hatfields. And I lived in Alabama for five years. All of that means I either am or am closely related to white trash. <laughs> so I, I can I can talk about them uh, folks because them folks is my folks. Right, right. <laughs> so um, but, but I, I think it just kind of goes to show you, and if, if anything, I'm a flag bearer for the concept that, that geographic boundaries, stereotypes like that, uh, don't mean anything because I'm publicly educated. Um, I, you know, played around on the internet for many years trying to figure out, I was always fascinated with how to communicate with people online. I got a degree in radio, TV communications, did PR for a long time. And all those things kind of, again, all those dominoes sort of fell in place that in 2005, 2006, when I landed at an ad agency that had clients wanting to talk about this new social media thing, I didn't know what they were talking about myself, Mm -hmm. but I knew, wait a minute, I know PR I know communications. I know community relations. I know a little bit about web development. I've been writing a blog-ish kind of thing online for a long time. All these things came together, and all of a sudden, I knew what the hell I was talking about. And it took a little bit of convincing myself that I actually did know what I was talking about to have confidence with it. But I was making smart recommendations to clients, whether I knew anything about it or not. And, uh, And so it's really just... Again, looking at the cards that you were dealt and understanding, okay, this is what I've got to play with. Let's see if we can win the hand. And yeah. and that's that's how I've always approached it. Yeah. Um when you look at you just mentioned blogging and of course, you know, the social aspect and stuff like that. Now we're looking at the phases have gone into, you know, images with Instagram and Pinterest. And now we're getting video, you know, well, YouTube has been around for a while, but now we're getting live videos. So there's all the, the hype and, and stuff around Meerkat and Periscope. And, uh, where do you see from your expertise, all of this headed? You know, I think it's always been headed in the same direction, which is those who can create compelling content will win. Um, you know, Meerkat is just a tool. Periscope is just a tool. Um, and it's going to, uh, the people who are going to emerge as powerful on those platforms and the brands that are going to emerge as relevant on those platforms that are going to engage audiences with them are the ones that have the ability to create content on those platforms. That's compelling. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Um, if I, uh, turn on my Meerkat stream and I'm boring as hell, nobody's going to watch me. Um, if I think about, okay, we're talking about engaging a live audience that can give us feedback at, in the moment, um, it, it's probably going to be some sort of live event, uh, and it needs to be a compelling event for people to be able to dial into it anyway. If I put those parameters in my brain and think, okay, how can I make this experience fantastic for this particular audience, I can come up with some pretty good stuff. It, it's basic communication strategy. It's just factoring in all of those little nooks and crannies of, okay, it's this audience, it's this environment, so on and so forth. And whether you're you're talking about Vine or Instagram or Flickr or YouTube or blogging or whatever, it's all about who's your audience, what message are you trying to, to send to them, what how are you 
uh, trying to motivate them? What's their call to action? Why would they pay attention to you in the first place? And what do you have to give them that will compel them to come? If you can answer those questions, you can be successful uh, in any kind of, uh, kind of marketing, not just digital marketing. Right. It, it really comes down to a very simple equation, audience, message, motivation, persuasion. If you can figure those things out, you're going to be pretty successful overall. You may have a campaign that blows it out of the water and you're enormously successful, or you may just trudge along doing enough to get by, but those are the basic things you got to have to be a good marketer. I think some people probably just hit rewind when, to go hear those four things again. What was that equation again? It went through uh, it so fast. So, so I, I may not be able to re re repeat it. So audience, uh, message, motivation, and persuasion. Yeah. And those are the things. If you know your audience, if you have a message for them, if you can motivate them to pay attention to you and then persuade them to do something, you win. Period. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've noticed a, a, a lot fewer there, – there's an – Blogging itself, people are putting less dependency on that and more dependency on actually those short bursts of communications or connections. And I guess, you know, whether that's through image or through video, it kind of makes sense. Um, if you could change uh, the way brands or corporate communicates um, with their customers, if, if, Maybe I'm opening Pandora's box. I'm going to say one, but you're probably going to give me like three or five. Maybe. Uh, what What would be like the executive that's listening right now, if you could sit them down and tell them really candidly, and of course they can't fire you because you're not working for them, right. what are you going to tell them? Get out of your own way. Um, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to know that the only solution most companies need to be successful in communicating with their audiences is to get legal and compliance and nervousness out of the damn way so that you can just answer questions and talk to people. Mm. Um, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying uh, there's no, uh, there's no sense in having a legal team or anything like that. Legal compliance has to be there. Regulatory compliance has to be there. I get it, but that still none of that prohibits you from saying to a customer, I'm sorry, what's the problem? Can I help you? Or, Hey, we've got some new things coming out. Would you like to hear about them? Or, um, you know, Hey, thanks for stopping by. What, what do you got going on today? You know, what's your, what's your thing? What are you hyped mm -hmm. up about this week? N none of those compliance things hinder you from having conversations. And that's what social media really always really has been about is just engaging your audience it puts a level of humanity on your brand that no other marketing medium does as well. Some of you video television commercials, you can put your face in the name and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's some humanity that can come through there, but until you can go online, whether it be via video or whether it be on a Facebook thread or on Twitter and have a real time conversation with another human being that isn't copying and pasting, approved corporate marketing responses to you, if you can do that and, and get around that compliance insistence on screwing everything up, mm -hmm. um, then, then you can connect with people on a, a very, very different level. And there are still so many uh, companies that are so scared of what the government or regulations or the law is going to do if they actually help a freaking customer 
that they get that they're, they stand in their own way. Get out of your own way, please, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Uh, so on that same level, um, what do you think about some of the regulatory stuff going on with, you know, all these different Airbnb, Uber and stuff. Now we're trying to tread in my career. We're not talking about this is not my job. This is not what I do. But what do you think about that whole move in, in, in light of what you just said? Like, what does that look like? Well, you know, I, I find myself kind of in the middle of this, and I'm, I'm probably not going to make a whole lot of friends in, in what I have to say. First of all, I know our mutual friend, Jeremiah Alyang. I give him a lot of crap because I tell him that, that most of his uh, nonsense about the collaborative economy is nonsense, that it's not collaborative at all. It's just people making money. Um, and that's true. Uber is not a ride-sharing service. It's a goddamn car service with a, with an app. That's what it is, right? Let's let's not lie to ourselves here. Now, yeah, you can say, yes, but they've got UberX, and you can actually share. Yeah, you're still paying for a damn ride. It's just a service. That's all it is. Um, but here's the thing. Uber and Airbnb and the collaborative economy companies, if you want to label them as such, are disrupting hierarchical, bureaucratic old systems. Um, we're seeing that even here in Louisville. They've they've said, hey, Uber, you can't pick up at the airport. We can't prevent you from dropping off, but you can't pick up here. And and those those laws and, and permissions are starting to kind of weaken as time goes on. Um, there are many situations like my friends at Elasticity have explained to me in, in St. Louis uh, with Uber and Lyft particularly. They have one of those uh, taxi commissions there that is basically just, you know, people – backdoor paying other people and it's right. all it's all kind of almost like organized crime even it's probably not organized crime but it's at least uh, a bunch of unethical people uh, yeah. with backdoor deals to make things happen and they obviously want to squeeze people who are trying to disrupt the market out anytime there's an opportunity for a company to come in and disrupt the market I am going to be for that company because it makes things better for consumers if you can break up these big taxi coalitions um, and um, and and present better options for consumers, that's better for all of us. I'm always going to be for that. However, I don't think that an Uber should be able to come into uh, a, a market and service the airport without paying the appropriate approved taxes and fees. Right. So there has to be some recognition that in order to sell that service – putting a, someone in a car and having them pay you to take you somewhere, you have to recognize the local ordinances and say, all right, we got to pay the popper to play in that market. Yeah. And so I'm kind of in the middle on it. I want the disruption. I think the disruption's great, but you can't do it outside of the law. So I see both sides of it. Right. And I don't, I don't think you'd get any argument from me on any of that. Um, I, I look at everything that's getting disrupted from banking to education and, I can't wait for healthcare to get disrupted. Um, no doubt. There's so many systems that are just archaic was the right word. And yep. you use that. Um, so let me ask you this. The, the name of the, sh the show is uh, Up in Your Business. How does Jason Falls disrupt Jason Falls? Oh, wow. Man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, how do I disrupt myself? Um, what I could think, be well, more efficient, more effective? What could be more resilient? What could be done? Yeah, I, I, th I think the way that I disrupt what I do now is that I hold myself to higher standards, that I uh, push myself to be um, more 
um, cutting edge, uh, to be more, uh, um, what's the right word? Um, I, I, I promised you earlier on this recording that there would not be polish, but to a degree, in order for me to be better, in order to disrupt me, I've got to up my game. I've got to mm-hmm. become more polished. I've got to broaden my perspective on – I have a tendency to think in terms of consumers because I have intuition about consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to work with B2B companies, I have to, I have to broaden that, that mm-hmm. um, mindset. So I think it's really just about continually pushing myself to know that I know what I don't know. And that I can always get better. Mm-hmm. Um, the day that I start resting on my laurels thinking, okay, I'm an expert or I know what I'm doing and I don't have to really go after it and bust my ass is the day that I become completely irrelevant. Yeah. And so I hope if anybody ever uh, gets the sense that, oh, Jason's become complacent, somebody stick your foot way up my butt. Stick it up in my business because that's not appropriate and I will never uh, – I will I will hopefully never do that. And if I do, I hope people are there to call me out on it. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Uh I I'm taking some classes. Uh actually I went and it, um took a class on how to communicate with uh more tact. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm actually taking another class in September. I'm flying up to New York to take a class for um Again, more communication and how to articulate myself, uh, yeah. especially when you start dealing with people who are closer to C-suite, being mm-hmm. able to be able to articulate yourself and not uh, end a sentence with um, a preposition, uh, <laughs> you know, little things like that. Like, uh, See, the preposition part I wouldn't care about because I'm a redneck and it's part of the package. But I, too, this week, actually, I'm flying up to Boston to go through an all-day training session on being a better presenter, being a better speaker, yeah. being more tactful in how you message your your speeches, whether it be for sales or or at a conference or something like that. So I'm constantly also trying to push myself to, all right, let's bite off a little bit more here and see how we can make that part of this bigger package that becomes even bigger and better than it already is. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, this morning, I, we're not going back in the conversation, but moving forward, but related to what we just talked about with the Periscope. I shot my first like Periscope with, with intention. I've done a yeah. few before, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. So this morning <laughs> was like with intention. I was, and I was speaking on fear mm. and how fear can actually be your friend. Yeah. Um, similar to what you were just sharing before is when you lean into uh, fear, sometimes it's, it's, and you said it, you nailed it. I, I use the example of like getting up on that 10 foot, uh, diving board at the public swimming pool, which they no longer really see anymore, <laughs> but how intimidated that was or intimidating that was. And then the first time you did it, you're like, Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah. Like I can do that. Yeah. So this job that I, I do my day job where, um, I, I do what I do. Um, you know, I, I, I get in front of a lot of people I otherwise wouldn't be uh, in front of. And I remember at South by Southwest having an event and two uh, CMOs sat down, one from 3M, and I can't remember what the other one was. And having that, and I, I think you can relate to this, that, that imposter syndrome. Oh, like, yeah. Dear God, what am I doing in front of these people? If they knew who yeah. I really was, uh, they wouldn't listen to me. I feel that every single day, man, every day. So uh, impo- imposter syndrome is huge, especially with, uh, you know, successful A type people. 
Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of us are are running from our own shadow, afraid that we don't belong, mm-hmm. even though we probably do. Yeah. And then how do you how do you address that? I mean, you said one, you're you're going to a class in Boston, so you're mm-hmm. up in that game. What's what's some other Jason yeah. Falls secrets that you're working on you to get to that level? So one of the things that I've I've taken on recently, and I've been doing a lot of reading and thinking, and then I also have a couple of people. I don't want to. I've got a friend of mine that I talk to quite frequently. I, I don't want to call uh, the, our relationship a life coach situation, but it's kind of like that. He's kind of a pep talker guy for me. Um, and one of the 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 things that I've been focused on a lot recently is understanding that, like the imposter syndrome. Um, uh, the, the scenarios that we play out in our heads are just that scenarios that we play out in our heads. They have nothing to do with reality. They have nothing. They have no impact whatsoever on whether or not we're going to sit down with the CMO of 3M and have a conversation that's going to lead to business or not. Um, all we are doing is talking ourselves into or out of fear or opportunity. And so if we're able to sit down and realize this story going through my head about not belonging is a story going through my head about not belonging, dismiss that, be in the moment with this guy or gal, and let's have a conversation and see if we can make it meaningful. Um, And and it's not always easy to dismiss those fears and those – um, you know, the, the nervousness about whether or not you belong or whether or not you're in the right situation or you're going to say the right thing or whatnot. But if you can stop telling yourself stories and just be in the moment right. and react and respond to what's presented to you, 90% of the time, you're probably going to find that the people are like, oh, I really dug that guy. He's smart. I like to have a conversation with him. I'm going to follow up with him later on. Yeah. If you, if you, if you, constantly live, try to live out that story in your head, it's going to come true. You're not going to belong. <laughs> right. So get the hell rid of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times, and this goes back to my old sports journalism career. I can't tell you how many times I was standing in front of someone interviewing them. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking I'm going to pee myself because I don't deserve to be standing in front of this person interviewing them. I'm just a redneck from Eastern Kentucky. If I had ever let that voice um, you know, out, if I had ever let that voice control me, I would have been a complete failure from day one. I would have gone running back home to do whatever it is that, that I would have worked in the coal mines or whatever. Right. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it wasn't for me. So I had to push that voice down and say, no, 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 I'm a producer at ABC radio. That alone gives me the, the credentials and the impetus to be standing here in front of of Derek Jeter interviewing him after a baseball game. And um, I just sort of have always been able to push that voice down long enough to survive. And as I've gotten older, I've realized I don't even need the voice. I don't even have to worry about it anymore. I'm going to completely ignore it. Yeah. It's terrific. I was talking to somebody who, um, you know, even myself, I do coaching and I still seek coaching because I'm trying to better myself. And I, said to them, you know, kind of the same situation, like, how can I still have this voice? Why am I still contending with this? And they said a little kind of a metaphor or a picture or whatever, they teed it up like this. They said, you know, it's not a matter of whether you deserve to be at the party. It's that you have the invitation. Yeah. In other words, you deserve to be here. 
Yeah, that's a that's great it. way to look at it. That is a great way to look at it. You're you here got at the, the party. Invitation. You're here. It's not a matter of deserving. Yeah. You're you're there. You know, and it's like do, does an athlete deserve to take the, you know, the last at bat in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and two on and down a run? It doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. They're at bat. That's yeah. how the cookie crumbled, and now they've got to get a base hit. You know. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that you're just there and being present in the moment. And I, I realize that's really weird for people to try to put in concrete terms, just being present in the moment. But for me, it is totally telling, getting the stories and the thoughts in your mind out of the way so that you can concentrate on who this person is, what they're saying, um, what they're asking of you so that you can be present and answer the questions um, and, and really having a moment where you walk away remembering the moment very in a very crystal clear fashion, and they walk away remembering the moment in a very crystal clear fashion. Yeah. You can't control whether or not they do, but if you're present in the moment, at least you've got a shot. If you're not, they'll never remember you yeah. because they're going, to, they're going to be able to detect this person is living in their head doing something else here rather than really connecting with me. Yeah. And so they're not going to be someone I remember from this exchange. Yeah. I think that's the, the element of authenticity is found in, in being genuine. Yeah. Um, for me, the opportunity has always come out of just being myself. Mm -hmm. The opportunities never came out of me pretending to be someone else. No doubt. No doubt. The minute I start, I pretend to try to be Don Draper, the minute people sniff me out and say, dude, you're not even close. Because I'm not. You, I, know? you almost drink as much bourbon. Probably. I probably do. I could probably put him under the table if I had to, but, <laughs> but that's not me, right? You know, I'm, yeah. I am a, I'm a digital marketing guy with a PR social media background. I've got really, really good ideas, but you know what? There's, there are things that I'm not capable of. You know, when I moved over to elasticity, um, I basically sat down with the partners and said, I'm not an account manager. I'm not going to manage accounts for you. I'm not a detail guy. I will screw those up faster than you can say Jason Falls. Yeah. And and so fortunately we've put they've put me in a situation where I have the account management support to be able to be successful for my clients. I need to be able to create, I need to be able to come up with strategies, I need to be able to ideate and think. And that's what I do and I get paid for it and and it's turned out pretty well. But uh, it took me a while to learn those limitations, but once you learn them and and insist on accounting for them, then you're a lot ha heck of a lot happier and a lot more productive too. I have one last question for you. All right. Um, going back, uh, let's say you're 21 years old. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> and you're looking at all that you know, all that you've learned. Um, then or now? Now. Now. Okay, good. I, I know what I know. Okay, good. What do you tell yourself at 21 to prepare oh, you man. for the path? Invest in Google. <laughs> <laughs> Super um, practical. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think uh, if I had to go back and tell my 21-year-old self anything, I think I would probably tell me um, you are a hell of a lot more resourceful and a hell of a lot smarter and a hell of a lot more hardworking than you think. Don't doubt yourself as much um, and be open to whatever opportunities come. Uh, let the dominoes fall where they may because they're going to fall in the right place. That's awesome. Well, Jason, it has been awesome 
to use that term again to talk to you. It's always a pleasure. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you or they chase you down? I'm Jason Falls just about everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Facebook's all that good stuff. JasonFalls.com is a great place to find me. And, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for a digital marketing PR firm, uh, GoElastic.com is where to find me uh, on the professional side of things. Fantastic. Well, have an awesome day. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Angus. I am super grateful for Jason Falls. Man, wasn't that a great interview? He is uh, just, he makes me smile on the inside, and I just have such a good time hanging out with Jason. Uh, He's a good guy, he's a good friend, and man, he had some good nuggets for us today. One of the things I want to try and touch on before I let you go is this whole mindset um, that we were talking about, kind of related to the imposter syndrome. I want to give you like a little bit of a, um, a tidbit that helped me when I was kind of going through my stuff. I bought a pack of dry erase markers, and what I did was I went to my bathroom mirror, and when I would get ideas or I would get thoughts about um, my future or who I was or even quotes that I would take from different authors or books I was reading. I would write that on the mirror so that when I brushed my teeth, uh, going to bed or getting up, if I was getting out of the shower, uh, if I was just getting to use the restroom, I would see these things written up on my mirror. And they were in multiple colors. And there was no code, rhyme, or reason. Uh, I would just do it so different uh, words or different phrases would jump off the mirror for me. And what I did is I gave myself ammunition and fuel to deal with what was put before me. We talked about today on the interview that sometimes life doesn't always go the way that you planned and that the dominoes don't always fall the way you think or hope that they will. And I think more than anything else, like the thing that's always been the biggest crush to me has been timing. Like it never happens in my timing. If life would just unfold the way that I wanted to, man, wouldn't that be fantastic? And it was in those seasons that these pieces of affirmation, these pieces of content that I would read, they would encourage me. And one of them uh, was something that I mentioned at the beginning of the show is that life prepares you for what life is preparing for you. And I really believe that much of what we go through helps to kind of give us fortitude and character, and it gives us perseverance, and it gives us wisdom. And these are all incredibly powerful traits. And they're the kinds of things that you can't get out of a textbook. They are not things that you learn by going to school. They're the only lessons that can be learned through experience. And oftentimes when people rise to success very quickly, it's amazing how they struggle to maintain that quote-unquote success. And if anything, many times they end up sabotaging themselves. However, 
those that take time to build up to the roles or positions that we eventually discover, you know, kind of like that 10,000 hours before it's an overnight success type of thing. Like, that's the truth. We have to go through that time where uh, we are resonating with our inner core in a way that our authenticity, um, our ability to communicate effectively, those elements, um, they really become the bedrock of who we are and what we're capable of. So today, if you're in a place where you don't feel like things are moving as quickly as maybe you'd hoped, or maybe things haven't worked out the way that you wanted them to, maybe it was a marriage or another relationship, maybe it was a job, maybe it was um, interview or presentation, let me tell you this, no matter what happens in those scenarios, everything will come around to doing good for you if you will expect good from it. And that's a bit on the psychology side. It's definitely a bit on the emotional side, but that's just the kind of guy I am. And that's my little nugget I want to share with you today. If you've enjoyed this broadcast or if you've been listening to several of the other shows, um, I would really appreciate if you dropped by iTunes and filled out a review. Again, I'm stating for the very first 100 reviews, I am giving away a free copy, a, a digital copy of my book, Love's Compass. And that is the story of my um, first marriage, my practice marriage. And my bout with workaholism and addiction, and it's kind of a gritty account of everything I went through and the lessons that I learned leading up to me meeting the wife I'm married to today and finding that marriage can actually be fun and fulfilling. Furthermore, out of all of it, I learned how to love myself. And this is a book I'd love to share with you. Just go on, uh, fill out a review. And then drop by the website at um, upinyourbusiness.co. Tell me about it uh, on my um, comment page. Um, and yeah, I'll send you a free digital copy of that book. In addition, um, on Facebook, I've started a private group uh, where we can have open and candid discussion, a little bit of encouragement, and some of my videos that I do, for those of you who have seen my videos in the past. Um, I'm trying to try and keep uh, some of my best of the best stuff. I'm, I'm revealing to those people first before I take it to the public. In addition, I'm working on some new tools and resources. Um, I have some uh, speaking page coming up soon and uh, some e-learning courses about things that I believe are truly going to help advance you in the future. So great ways to pay attention. You can get on my mail list from the website at upinyourbusiness.co. That's all I have for today. But more than anything else, um, I am so glad you stopped by today. I truly, truly am so grateful for this audience, uh, for who you are, and the opportunity to help you move ahead and become self-aware in how you lead and how you live. Have a great day and be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com. <laughs>